WQXR, in conversation. This time is so weird for me because I want to say that on one hand, it's like I want to be really sad and I want to be, um, I mean, my spirit feels sullen, you know, at times because I know there's been a, a lot of people who have lost their lives or people who are seeing death every day. Um, so on one hand, there is extreme sadness. But then on the other hand, for me as an artist, I, I hope that I use this time to help other people in whatever way I can. So much of an opera singer's life is spent on the road. The number of days in foreign cities and the number of nights in hotel rooms can far outnumber the days and nights spent at home. It's intense, exhilarating, exhausting, but really it just comes with the territory. So what happens when all of that changes? What happens when performances are canceled and all of a sudden a singer finds herself firmly planted at home? This is a change that American soprano Angel Blue has been embracing with her family in New Jersey. Right before the coronavirus cancellations and closures, Angel had just finished a run of performances singing the role of Bess in Gershwin's Porgy and Bess, both at the Metropolitan Opera and with the Philadelphia Orchestra. And now, she has some time to reflect. My name is Marin Lazian, and I'm the producer of the podcast Aria Code. I spoke to Angel Blue recently about Porgy and Bess, about how quarantine is going for her, and about how she's been keeping busy during this time. This is Classical New York in Conversation with Soprano Angel Blue. First of all, how are you doing? How are you doing right now uh, as, as we kind of go through this? I know you've been counting up the, the days of, of social distancing. So where are you and how's it, how's it sitting with you? Um, it's, I got to say, it's interesting. I, that's such a loaded question, you know, when someone says, how are you doing? Because I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I think for me, I'm, I want to say I'm doing good. I want to say I'm doing well. Um, I think there's a difference between well, good, and fine, of course. But I think for me, if I'm being totally honest with you, I feel that most days are good days with a hint of fine and well, yeah. if that makes sense. It does make sense. Um, I mean, I this this pandemic is horrible. I, I, I hate it. My I have family members who are um who work in the hospital. And so for me, I mean my my thing, my real struggle every day is just waiting to hear from them if they're okay, waiting to hear how they're holding up, how they're feeling. Um, you know, what did they see that day? My biggest concern is that everyone else is okay. Yeah. Um, it's weird because for me, I know that this is such a hard time for so many people, myself included, but this is something that I've been praying for for a long time because I've wanted to be at home and I've wanted to spend time with my family. So, you know, it's, it's, there's that saying it's bittersweet 
because on one hand, I'm thrilled to be at home. I'm thrilled to, I don't have to set an alarm most days. I can walk around without having my hair and my makeup done. I don't have to, you know, I mean, of course I have to keep up with my voice and make sure that I can still use it for when, you know, God willing for when this is over, but I, I don't have to stress out about learning music. I don't have to worry about singing as much. I get to just be angel and be a wife and be a mom and be a, I don't know, the woman of the house, you know, and in that respect, I'm good, you know. That makes a lot of sense. And that, that really is the life of, of an opera singer. You, you know, you, you can count in days uh, how long you've been home. And it's so rare that you're not on an airplane, that you're not in a hotel, that you actually get to, to be there for a stretch. So I, I hear you. I hear you that there's a bittersweetness to this. And I, I imagine your family is, is happy to sort of have you there as well with, with everything else that's going on. At least you're together. Right. And so I consider myself still a newlywed because I've only been married for um, going on four and a half years. I want to be with my husband. I don't want to always be at an opera company. I don't always want to be on stage. I don't always want to be, you know, having to press hard to learn something quickly so that I can put it up to get, an, I don't know, a review or something like that. You know, it's it's very comforting right now to me to be at home. And so where are you? You know, where are you kind of keeping safe right now? I am at home in New Jersey. I actually have only lived here for eight months. I'm from California, from Southern California. The city, the place where I grew up, most people don't, it's not, we don't even call it a city. It's a town um, properly. Apple Valley is where I'm from. It's it's Route 66. If if you ever heard of that song, that's where I'm from. Is Route 66. Are you how how are you finding singing, learning rep from home? Is it is it touch and go? Is it easy? How's it going? I love it because I don't have to do it every day. I can do it at my own pace, and I can do it when I want to. I can do it with a bottle of wine, you know. I can do it with uh, food at my <laughs> at my piano or whatever. Um, I, the other day, I, I literally only learned one line of music and I walked away and I haven't sat back down since. And that's okay. <laughs> it is okay. You know, what was the last major public performance that you did that you had before the world sort of locked down in this way? Uh, the last one that I had was in Philadelphia, which was actually also very cool because I drove there. You know, it took me an hour, 45 minutes to get there by car. Um, so if the Philadelphia Orchestra and what did I, I was doing uh, Porgy and Bess with Marin Alsop and, and, uh, and Lester Lynch, Kevin Short, Chaucey Packer. And of course, before that, you had the, the extended run of Porgy and Bess at the Met, which was just a spectacular production, obviously, because it's, it's essentially unprecedented or so rare to have a production extended. And, you know, just, it was so, uh, beautiful isn't the right word. It was really powerful and so well received by everyone. And it's not. This wasn't your first time performing in that opera. And in fact, you've performed Clara as well. You've performed two of the of the leading soprano roles. Do you do you feel like you have more insight, have a deeper insight in into this piece because you've kind of spread spread out your your performance over those two roles? Something about understanding the women in this opera. I don't know. I think so. I think that the that how I feel about the opera first and foremost, I think is, is probably what really helps me with what I think of the opera with how I, how I portray Bess. Um, if that, I don't know if that makes sense because I've had a long history with the opera. I first, I first learned of the opera when I was, I don't know, it was probably, I guess I was in high school. 
know, I heard, I heard summertime and I thought summertime was just a jazz standard. I didn't know that it was from an opera. And my dad is the one who had to explain to me that it was from an opera. And I guess that just sort of began my journey with the entire opera, with Porgy and Bess. But having sung both Clara and Bess, and then in, at the concert in Philadelphia, I also sang Serena. And so that has definitely opened up my my mind and my eyes, my heart to who who Porgy and Bess are and who everyone on Catfish Row is. So I do think that's definitely helped to, to sort of broaden my horizon uh, on the the entity that is Porgy and Bess. You mentioned your dad, uh, another singer, and, and your very first teacher. Do you remember, I, I mean, this, this opera is such a rich and some people think complicated history, and I think that there are lots of things to say about it, right, um, across the board, culturally, racially. But in your very first experience of it, did any of that hit you, or was this was it just a, a piece of music that you were engaging with? I think it was just a piece of music that I was interested in. I don't know, maybe I'm naive or maybe I'm, I don't know, not, not intelligent enough to really look at Porgy and Bess from a perspective of, of being a racially charged piece of music, because I really look at it as just being a universal piece of music. I, I look at it like Bohem or like Tosca, La Traviata. I see it as like Faust. Everyone just, it's, it's just about the human struggle, just about people. You know, I was thinking about how you've played both Clara and Bess. And that reminded me that you've also played the two female leads in La Boheme, Mimi and Musetta. They're two very different women, just like Clara and Bess are. So is it just that you can't choose between these ladies? Or is it that your voice is developing and that's leading to some of these changes in the roles that you take on? Yeah, I think it's my voice. I think it's my voice. I mean, I do love, um, you know, if, if I had the opportunity to sing Clara again and someone said, Angel, will you sing Clara? I, I would take it. I would do Musetta or Mimi. I like um, I like the characters. I like to think of the characters as my friends. And that's so funny. But I do. I like to think of the, these ladies as my friends. And while I might vocally might grow out of one role into another, I still like to think that one woman helped me to understand the other better. If I may, it's kind of like, it's very true. 10 years ago when I was, or I guess now 11 years ago, when I was singing Clara for the first time, I was in a very different place in my life. You know, I was just out of college, you know, single, living that sort of single life, trying to figure out my way, trying to understand opera, trying to get into an opera, trying to find a manager, all of that. And then 10 years later, not single anymore, being married, uh, being a stepmom, you know, having a, this, the home and all of that, plus trying to have a career. It's a, it's, it's interesting because going from Clara and where Clara sits vocally is very different than where Bess sits vocally and where Angel sat vocally comfortably 10 years ago and and just in a and in a, the way of maturity also was very different. So it's fascinating um, to see how my voice has changed, how my life has changed, and how my roles have changed. And I, I look forward. I I hope you know that I can do the same thing in the next ten years when I'm closer to being fifty. You mentioned thinking of these characters as, as being like your friends. I don't, I don't know if you can answer this, but wh- whoever you feel your closest lady friend is. Is there is there a, a role in opera that you feel is kind of her is her parallel? I oh gosh, I think right now it it probably is. You know, Tosca is so impulsive. I've only sung I've only sung her her role once, but this woman, 
she really is a lot like me. She's very strong. She's stubborn, very stubborn. I'm incredibly stubborn. I'm a Taurus. I like her because she's a woman who, I, I don't want to call myself a religious person because I don't like the connotation that goes with being religious, but I, I respect the fact that Tosca does have a faith. I also respect the fact that because she has a faith, she she does expect things to happen sometimes a certain way. And when they don't, she gets a little bent out of shape, as my grandmother would say. And, um, you know, and I think that there's a lesson in that. And I've, I've had to learn that lesson. Also the lessons in, you know, being like, Oh, please let this happen. Please let this happen. And it doesn't, I would like to think that there's a part of me that's very similar to Mimi to Tosca I was actually talking to my husband the other day about Leonora in Il Trovatore. That's the next role that I'm supposed to sing, hopefully at the end of the year. And uh, he said, he said, you talk about her like you just got off the phone with her. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> compliment, actually. That I thought so, too. I said, I did. I said, thanks, babe. And he said, no, really, you talk about these ladies. Like if I didn't know that you were talking about opera, I'd be like, oh, you angel has a new friend. Look, you're, you are living the role. You're getting in there. I mean, that's just, that's, I, I, I like to look at them as in that way, I suppose. Yeah, I love that. With the coronavirus crisis in the last several weeks now, we're sort of obviously seeing a big change. You know, concert halls and opera houses and theaters and all public spaces really are, are have had to shut down temporarily. And, you know, artists are doing some incredible things in taking their their time and talent and their ideas to the Internet. And it's, you know, it's not unprecedented. This was ramping up already, but now this is the new place this is where people can perform now and you've been you've been wonderfully active in a in a number of ways and I'd love to talk to you about Faithful Friday what was what, what is that project and what's the idea behind it in 2012 I was at my sister's home and the thought came into my head you should start a talk show where you encourage people and where you you know where you're encouraging young people and telling them about how to I don't know just encouraging them and keeping them going and and telling them that they can do it so I bought a camera, I bought four lights, I bought a green screen and all of this stuff. Then I got a long stay contract in London and I ended up moving to London. I was only there for like maybe maybe 10, 10 months before uh, someone said, would you be interested in doing some presenting for the BBC? And I mean, it was like the 4th of July. It was like fireworks and everything for me. I was so excited. So I, I worked with, um, with BBC. I did some training with them. And uh, that was so exciting to me. And there's a different excitement that comes with singing. The joy that I get when I get to present something is something totally entirely different that I don't know how to explain. So when this happened, this coronavirus, and my husband said, I don't think you're going to be working for quite some time. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is, this is awesome. And so the box was, the box was sitting in our garage. And so I went to the garage, I got everything out and I said, Faithful Friday. And he was like, do it. The intent of Faithful Friday 
I mean, it really is for anybody who cares and wants to hear anything I have to say, but definitely for the younger group of people, because I find that for myself, when I was in college, I did have encouragement, but not from people who were actually in the field singing. You know, I can count on one hand how many women actually, when I reached out to them, they reached back and actually said something positive to me about my singing and or about me becoming a singer, you know. So I, I guess Faithful Friday for me is is just a way to connect with people at this time, but also to be some kind of a hope for them in some way, you know, if, if that's possible uh, for me to be that to them. That's that's what I desire. soprano angel blue speaking to me from her home in new jersey you can watch her facebook live show faithful friday every friday at 12 p.m eastern head to wqxr.org for details this episode was produced by me and rosa gollin with help from lucas krongrimberga and george wellington i'm Marin lazian and this is classical new york in conversation from wqxr